Hi everyone, I'm Allie Stone and this is Discovering Hospitality. Now I've been in the hospitality industry for over 20 years. Serving in all capacities, I started out as a server to present day where I'm part owner of a multi-unit franchise in Northern Alberta called Original Joe's. My journey continues to the Inspired Leader, which I founded in 2020. Through this, I help leaders from all industries create meaningful careers. And I do this through the education I received from my many years as a senior level leader in hospitality. I truly believe if we could bring more hospitality to more industry around the world, it would be a better place. Of course, hospitality has given me a life rich with adventure, connection, let's not forget humor, and of course the challenges which I believe can be unique to the hospitality industry. So this podcast, it was created to highlight the incredible moments that exist in our industry. Behind the day-to-day -day of hospitality lies millions of stories, serving as evidence that this is one of the most complex, challenging, and ultimately fulfilling industries on the planet. And when you peek beneath the surface, it's revealed that this industry, despite those challenges, offers a unique glimpse into creativity, beauty, and ultimately the strength it takes to bring it all to life each and every day. So it's my purpose with this podcast to share the celebration of humanity that exists in hospitality. I want to share how this industry is one of the most incredible industries in the world and how hospitality creates a place for the world to become more connected and ultimately to become more beautiful. Thank you for joining me on this week's podcast and I truly hope you enjoy it. Okay, everybody, welcome. It's uh, always so great to be here. Uh, I'm your host, Allie Stone, and I have a beautiful guest with me today. I'm so excited to spend some time with her, Adria Dube. Hi, Adria. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming on. I had the weirdest um, thing with you because I always had thought you would be like one of the first people on the podcast. And then we interviewed so many people from your store. <laughs> Yeah. And I think Mike and I were kind of like, you know, oh, we'll just like, we'll hold off on Adria for a bit because other people might get jealous. And then I didn't interview you. Can you believe it? <laughs> Honestly, I thought about telling you and I'm like, ah, I don't know, I'm a little nervous about podcasts, <laughs> but here we are. So. so you're here. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for spending time. And thanks for being patient with me. Of course. <laughs> So um, I usually just kind of like to start these off. I think we're going to have a really great conversation today, first of all, because I think we're actually, you and I, I think we're very um, aligned as leaders. I think we have a lot of the same beliefs. So I think we're going to have a really cool conversation. So I'm excited for it. But I just kind of like to start these off with like letting the listeners know a little bit about you. So um, can you share a little bit about yourself, you know, um, your journey through hospitality, maybe how we know each other? What, anything you feel is relevant, you're welcome to share. Yeah, for sure. Um, right now, I'm the assistant general manager at the original Joe's in Terwilliger. Um, I've only been here for six months or so. I was at the Hollick location on the north side for four and a half years. Um, I never really saw myself in a restaurant industry, to be honest. I remember like grade 12 seeing like hearing people saying that they're like becoming servers and I'm just like 
this super introverted person. So I never saw myself being a server. I'm like, there's no way I could never do that. Like it's, it's, I'm too nervous around people. And then I graduated high school. I'm like, yeah, I, I want to make some money. So <laughs> that's kind of how I got into the restaurant industry. And I was, you know, going to uh, Nate uh, part-time, mm-hmm. sorry, full-time, but I was working part-time. And yeah, OJ's was just always kind of like on the back burner. It was to make some money. And that was, that was kind of it. I did like a year of business at Nate and didn't really like it. And then I did a year of carpentry, which I really, really loved. But I think it's more of a hobby for me. I whole idea behind it was to do renovations and like interior design. Cool. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't, it just didn't feel right. So I just went back to OJ's full time. And then Krista and Mike just kind of started putting me up the pole, making me a manager, bar manager, and then. I transferred over to Terwilliger to be the AGM and here I am. Yeah, I, it's been a journey for you, hey? It has. It's been like, I can't really believe that I'm here sometimes. <laughs> like, I'm like, how did I end up here? Because I always told myself, like, I, I don't know. I just wasn't that much of a people person, but I kind of completely came out of my shell. Being in this industry, which is just like super cool. I don't know. It just brings out this other side of you that you didn't know existed. I think that's actually really cool what you're saying. And so you're saying you weren't a people person. What, what was there like circumstances in your life that made you not want to be a people person? Or was it just kind of like the way you were raised or like you felt like it was just who you were or I'm just curious where that comes from. I, I don't know. I've just always been super shy. So to be around people, I just kind of like, I'm in a shell and the thought of like having to like interact with people on a daily basis, I, (laughs) that was like (laughs) draining, nerve wracking for me because I'm one of these, like, I always thought like, Oh, I'll just kind of like do my own thing. Like I don't need to be around people that often because it kind of drains you. And so was there like, a defining moment or something that like shifted that for you? Can can you pinpoint it or is it a gradual thing? I think it it was more gradual, but the more connections that I built with the people in the restaurant, like understanding that like there's regulars that come in and they come in here for conversation, people who I might live alone, like they don't have that interaction with people and being able to build the connection with those people that come in for that reason, it kind of gives you that purpose. I remember when I was young, I always told my mom, like, I want to help people. What I want to do with my life is just make a change, like make a difference for them. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a nurse. So I'm going to be a vet. And I realized I hate blood. I can't, (laughs) that's not, (laughs) (laughs) but being with OJs, it's given me that, that purpose. Like, People don't understand that when you're in the restaurant industry, it's, it's hospitality. That's what it is. Like you're taking care of people on a daily basis. And that's what it was for me that kind of kept me coming back. Mm, Very interesting. And so, I mean, that kind of ties into like what my next question was going to be, but like, what was it about hospitality that made that the choice for you? And I think you're articulating that really well. And I think a lot of people would resonate with that, right. When they hear that and, um, just circling back a little bit, you were talking about how, or I asked you like what it was 
like to be not really be a people person versus be a people person. And I kind of know both sides of that in my life as well. And um, for me, it was like a perspective thing just based on things that had happened to me. Right. And it's interesting when your perspective shifts around people, because it can go from draining to like totally invigorating and like life-giving and, and, um, yeah, I feel like hospitality can just like really fill your bucket. It can also empty your bucket (laughs) some days. Um, but in what ways does hospitality fill your bucket? In which ways does it make your life better? I love coming in and knowing that like, especially as an AGM or like in a leadership role, that whatever you're doing is helping people be the best person that they can be. And it's super rewarding to just like see someone who's come in like freshly never served before and like have, you know, maybe personal issues that they're working through and just like helping guide them through that. And that's the most rewarding part because it's not about you. It's about seeing these people grow and they might not stay with the company, but just helping them through that. And I just, I know sometimes if I'm having a bad day or if I'm like home alone all day and then I start work at night, it's just going into that environment, like being around all those people, it used to drain me, but now it's just like, it's a whole nother family. Like all the guests that come in, it's just, it's a community. And I could never go from that to working in an office or working from home. Like, (laughs) yeah, I've learned to love to be around people. Cool. That was a real tough uh, thing for me when COVID hit, because I all of a sudden, and I mean, you guys, not as much, but you definitely found that too. But I was like instantly in my house, right? And like trying to figure out, which was like a disaster too, right? Because it's not even like we were work at home kind of people. So like there's no office, there's no nothing to work with, like and set up quite well now and I can like get through a day, but I can only work two to three days at home. And I'm like, I need to get out of the house. I have to go somewhere. Like I, like I, my week won't go well if I spend too much time at home, but like, it's crazy. I remember, you know, in my younger years saying that too, I'm like, there's no way I could work at a desk job. Like I like talking to like a hundred people a day (laughs) and hearing all their stories and just, just like having fun with people, you know, exactly. Don't you also find, and I don't know if I've brought this up on the podcast before, but that time flies in the hospitality industry? Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that the coolest thing? Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's like your week flies by, your day flies by, or like the last like couple years have flown by, um, especially being so focused on growing, it's just like, you, you wonder where the time has gone. Yeah. And there's like the old saying, right? Like time flies when you're having fun, but I think it's true. Like fun is such a like great, great part of our industry, right? I think all other industries could stand to learn something from that. For sure. Yeah. Because when you're having fun, you're not checking the time, wondering when can I get out of here? <laughs> yeah. Or coming up with other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. What do you think it takes to succeed in the hospitality industry? What do you think people need to bring to it? Um, Yeah. What do you think success looks like? This is a tough one because there's so many different things that are important. Um, I think empathy and vulnerability are the two big ones, whether you're dealing with 
you know, your team or the people that come into the restaurant. In the hospitality industry, there's just so many different walks of life that come through your door and you may be the complete opposite type of person from them, but they're coming in to your restaurant or your building for a reason. And clearly you have something in common then, like they're coming in for something that you can give them. Um, and I think it's the greatest, it's super valuable to be able to connect with these people when you can kind of put those differences aside and just understand like, you're here to have like a good conversation. You're here for the food, like, and just the connections that you build around that. Yeah. And vulnerability. I personally really like vulnerability because it opens up this door for, for trust when you can be vulnerable with your team, the team sees that you're still like a human. You're like, you still make mistakes. Like you may not have it all together, but together you have it all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> what does vulnerability look like to you? I think it's being able to open up about things that you're, you're kind of uncomfortable with or you're not really like, you're not comfortable with sharing with people, but you, but you do. And it's being okay with not being right all the time. It's, it's making a mistake and saying, Hey, you know what? I screwed up. And I know that you all saw that, (laughs) but what are we going to do about it next time? You know what I mean? It's not being afraid to be wrong. And it's not thinking that that people are going to judge you for it. Mm-hmm. Where it's did you learn yourself? <laughs> it's totally being yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like this level of authenticity that attracts other people to you. Right. Absolutely. Where did you learn about vulnerability? How did that become something in your life? Because it's not like, it's not something in everybody's life. And some people like, like this idea or notion of vulnerability, but really have no idea how, because they've never seen it modeled for them or spoken about it. So how did it become a thing for you? Absolutely. Um, I would say it, it, it definitely came from my mom. She was always this like super open, um, wants to have communication conversations with you. And I know like my childhood, I wasn't always the best, the most behaved kid. <laughs> um, but she always confronted, not confronted, but like, she always came to me in like a, in a way that was, she she didn't, obviously I did things wrong, but she wanted to just have a conversation about it. She wanted to be like, like, why did you make this, this decision? Like what, like, what, what were you feeling when you made that decision? Or like, what could we have done differently so this didn't happen or how can we move on from this it was always this open communication and um it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to share your feelings with people you like it was never don't talk about your feelings like don't cry don't you know what I mean yeah very interesting (laughs) I mean that's polar opposite of so many stories and there's been like a lot of times in my life where I've been in situations where it's been like, don't share that. Don't talk about that. That's, this isn't the right time or whatever that excuse might've been. Right. And And you know, it's, 
<laughs> my family is the most open family. Like the conversations we have at the dinner table, if I have friends over or like even my boyfriend now, I'm like, be ready. Like the conversations we have are typically dinner type conversations, but that's just how we are. We're just so comfortable around each other and we share things that most families would be like, eh, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Okay. So that's really interesting. So what do you think growing up in a family like that has taught you in your life? Like, what has that given you? It's taught me to just be open. It's taught me that like, you shouldn't be ashamed of things because we're all humans. Mm -hmm. And you like, you may think that the person that's sitting next to you um, or like standing across the room from you is perfect and they don't have any issues. But in reality, we all have things that we hold on to and we all have these like skeletons in the closet I guess that you know everybody has but being open about it is just it's being vulnerable right it's it opens you up to the idea that we're like we're on the same playing field Mm -hmm. yeah I think that that's such you keep hitting on that and I often think that vulnerability allows us to see the common humanity in one another Mm-hmm. like takes away the some of the secretness that we like you know how we hide and then we'll get in our heads and we'll be like I'm all alone in this but then if you speak it out and share it with somebody else you realize that many people are struggling with the same thing you're struggling with and it's like this opportunity to like <laughs> shine light on the common struggles that human beings have I think um that's very apparent nowadays with mental health too. Like a lot of people are struggling with anxiety and depression that, you know, you, when you look at them, like they would never share that with you. But if we share it and we open up that conversation with each other, it makes it a less, like a lot less of a taboo topic, like, and we can help each other out more with it. Yeah. It's the scariest thing ever. When you hear the story of you know, the losing the friends that one day, like they just took their life and nobody was really aware. Like that's the scariest story ever. And I'm lucky I haven't had to live through that, but I've seen in my years in hospitality, I've seen that happen multiple times and it is, it is terrifying and and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like I, lots of people are like, oh, we're not that far with mental health, but we're so much further than we were before. <laughs> and that's Absolutely. why we need to keep talking about these things, right? I think it is really important. So I wasn't even going to go here with you today, but let's, let's see where <laughs> this goes. But what, what role do you think we need to play? Uh, like, let's just say as leaders in hospitality, in helping our people with their mental health, where, where do you think we should uh, come in and help, maybe not come in and help. How, how can we, cause this is a very, like, this is a high emotionally intelligent industry. You need For skill. Sure. sure. But if you're not emotionally intelligent, you're not going to make money. You're not going to be, <laughs> you have to tip that scale. Right. So, um, yeah. So I'm just curious your thoughts around how we can support our people with emotional or mental health issues when they arise. I think, and I've seen it before, like it's, it's really apparent in this industry and it's, it's sad, like a lot of anxiety and depression, like I said. Um, but I think if we just keep the conversation open about it, and if we're open about maybe how we're feeling 
and share that with the team, it allows them to, to see that like, they're not alone. And it just opens up that, like that doorway again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important that we do pay attention to this with our teams and the people that walk in through our doors. Cause some people aren't going to speak up and maybe even if you have that open conversation or that open, open door policy with them, like they're not really willing to share that with you um, or take the initiative to. So I think like, I think check-ins are really important with people, like just to see how they're doing more one-on-one conversations. Cause most people aren't going to share that in like a, in a group setting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what does a check-in look like for you? Like, how would you engage in that with a team member? Honestly, right now it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Cause when people walk in through the door, they have to go right by the office and I'll just kind of, <laughs> I'll just ask them, Hey, you come in here for a second. I just want to chat. <laughs> um, and yeah, just kind of ask them how they're doing. And if you already have that trust with your team members, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's a lot easier than it's, than it sounds. Mm-hmm. because you already have that trust. So people are going to tell you, like, I've had people come in and they're like, honestly, I'm not having a good day. Like I didn't sleep last night. I didn't, whatever happened in their lives. And they, the fact that they're sharing that with you is super, I don't like, it's, it's amazing because it means that they, that they trust you enough to share that with you. And it gives you the opportunity to kind of dig a little bit deeper too. Yeah, it it and totally right. Like, I don't know, you guys like laugh at me and you're like, here comes Allie with her questions. <laughs> but it's true. Like one answer opens the door from somebody for me, at least in my mind, for like 10 questions. I could go like 30 different routes <laughs> no questions with people, right? And I think when we're in those like important moments, like checking in with team, that's critical. Like our skills to be able to. Uh, be open, like you said, be empathetic. And also this, uh, you're talking about being vulnerable to our own reality, our own struggles. I think really, like for me, in my experience, that has been the door opener when I can be like, hey, like, you know, I know your struggle. Here's what I experienced at some point, you know, and just it allows them to feel like they can they can start to talk about those things as well. Mm-hmm. I think mental health was such, it's always been a thing in our industry for sure. Um, I think it's always been a focus in original Joe's and I think we've done a really good job of it. Um, can we be better? Sure. We can always be better. But I think during COVID it was like amplified like a million percent. And um, there was some really hard days to navigate. Um, did you experience some of that as well as a leader? Uh, yeah, for sure. I remember the first shutdown. <laughs> I myself was feeling super anxious because I'm like, what the heck? Like, I never thought that COVID was going to end up in Canada. Like, I was being super naive. I remember seeing the articles trying. I'm like, oh, that's, whatever. Like, it's not going to come to Canada. And then reality started to sink in. And I remember Mike, the GM at the time, he, um, he called an emergency staff meeting. And I could just feel the energy in the room, like everybody just like wanting to ask questions and having to navigate that. I don't know how Mike did that, <laughs> kudos to him. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I remember the days following, it was all about 
you know, am I going to get EI? Am I going to get serve? How am I going to, how am I going to afford food? How am I going to pay rent? Like all these things kind of just came to like a, a halt. It, like you, you just didn't know what was next. Um, no. but I like, I truly think that original Joe's did an amazing job at handling that with the full bellies program that we ran and, uh, making like helping people get CERB and EI and just like helping everyone navigate that because at 20 I have no idea how to apply for EI or CERB like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't at my age either I'm not <laughs> the government doesn't make any of those processes easy like that's a nightmare for everybody right yeah and I like I remember Mike one day wasn't there. And I think it was maybe the second shutdown. And one of the things that I took upon myself was every single person that was in the restaurant that night, because the, the announcement had gone on while we were all working in the restaurant. And I took it upon myself to just take every single person one by one into the office and just share with them what I knew, what our plan was going to be and just see how they were feeling mm -hmm. and see if they had questions. Cause it's the worst feeling when you're at work and you're hit with this news all over again. And you're just like, well, yeah. And then you're supposed to go out and take care of guests. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how I'm going to put food on my table next yeah. week, but yeah, yeah. It was crazy. I mean, there were so many industries that were adversely affected, mm -hmm. um, but our industry was it was deeply affected for sure. And it was, it was the livelihoods of so many people in our organization. And yeah, you say we handled it well, but I mean, like literally I felt like I had a panic attack about it because it was just the weight of so many people. And, but like, you can't do anything, right. There's only so much you can do. And so like things like full bellies and, you know, directions on how to get served and stuff. We are like, well, it's the least we can do. <laughs> Right. Um, myself, speaking for myself, the full bellies program literally saved me from eating ramen every night. So I know that you, you say that you feel like you didn't really do anything, but to a lot of people that completely changed the scenario for them. Cause there's a lot of my friends who work in other restaurant industries and they didn't receive any of that. Right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad it was valuable to you. And I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Makes me a little bit emotional. <laughs> right. Like thinking back to that time, it was, it was a whirlwind. And yeah, I just, I just hope, you know, that everything that you guys did to navigate that, it may seem like a small amount, but it was, it was tremendous to a lot of us. Well, thank you, Adria. I appreciate you saying that. Of course. <laughs> Um, so this is probably a good place to segue here, but I'm like curious if, if you can pinpoint a defining moment for you in hospitality, like a moment that has kind of like brought you to where you are or like changed the course of how you saw hospitality or just an experience you've had that you feel like has been defining for you. Um, one of the first things that come to mind is I remember, um, I was, I was Holic, I was at Holic at this time and one of our newer employees had come in and I could tell that she was distraught and her and I, at that point, like we hadn't, 
really talked a whole lot. It was like one of her first couple shifts in. Um, and her and I ended up in the office and we just cried together. We literally cried together for like half an hour. And I was like, everything that she was saying, like the issues that she was having with family and friends, I felt it deep down that <laughs> I just looked at her and I said, I'm so sorry that you are going through this. Like, this sucks. Like you were handed a bad, like a, a shitty deck of cards, you know? Yeah. But <clears throat> half an hour later, we walked out of that room and she just kept thanking me and thanking me for like taking the time to talk to her. And like, I wasn't like, there was no rush to get back out on the floor. And I told her like, if you need to go home, please go home. Like, I want to take care of you. And I remember walking out and I thought like, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing what I do because I'm given the opportunity to be here for people that I wouldn't have anywhere else or in an office job or anything. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, I, I can't even explain it. I think um, it's so funny too, because uh, these moments, uh, they happen in like a flash and we're not expecting them. We don't plan them. Um, and then all of a sudden they kind of shift our whole perspective of how we're seeing what we do. Right. And I think, sorry, go ahead. To me, like before I was ever in a leadership position, I, I saw being a GM as like all business, all like, you know, like follow, <laughs> follow the yellow brick. Like it's, it's all set in stone. But once I was put into these positions, it was like, wow, like, it's, it's all about the people. It really is. Like that is the main focus of being in this, in this industry. It's, it's all about the people. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, totally. And that's, it goes back to that emotional, <clears throat> uh, contingent, right? Like, and, and I actually, I'm just going to throw this out there, but I think this stands true for any industry. If you're hiring for uh, like a skill set versus, and of course you need skills, but if you're hiring tipping the scale to skills and lowering the scale on that emotional intelligence, you're always going to struggle. <laughs> you're always going to struggle to have connection, to build great teams, to create great culture, right? All of those things. Yes. So what do you think it takes to, what do you think it takes to create a great culture from the standpoint of a leader for yourself right now? What are you doing to create culture? And um, yeah, what's, what's your vantage point on it? I think it comes down to trust and accountability. I, the biggest thing is like your team trusting you and you trusting your team. And with that, like, there's no micromanaging. There's no like breathing down someone's back. It's just knowing that you, like, if you trust your team to do their job, they're going to trust you to do yours. And with that, it comes that connection. You know what I mean? Like having those calm, hard conversations, if you set the expectations from the start, people know what you expect of them and you know what, what they expect of you. It's a two-way road and it comes down to trust, communication, and, and, and that connection that you built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think um, communication is is so important. <laughs> and it's so challenging. Because <laughs> like is. I can say something to you in a certain way and in a certain tone and totally mean it one way and you could hear it another way, 
right? And so I find in our industry, because it is so highly emotionally intelligent, that it can get pretty intense sometimes. Hmm. What's been some of your experience with communication and team? Um, I know personally, sometimes my tone, like if I'm, if I'm a little bit stressed out and I say something a certain way, because I'm in the middle of something, as soon as I say it, I stop and I look at them like that (laughs) did not come out right. (laughs) Like in the, and they know that I didn't mean it that way, but I like, you never want to make someone feel a negative feeling. Mm -hmm. It like it's bound to happen. Yeah. We work in high intensity environments. And sometimes when you get a little bit worked up or a little bit too much in like too focused on what you're doing, that when someone asks you something, it comes out the wrong way. And I personally hate (laughs) when that happens because I've been on the other end of it. When I know that whoever I'm asking a question to it like they may answer it a certain way um but with that it comes to trust too if you have a team around you that trusts you even if it comes off the wrong way they're not gonna hate you for it they're gonna know that they're gonna understand that you're you're stressed out you have (laughs) you know yeah that, that trust just makes those moments a little less stressful totally and um brings I was gonna say brings grace or like a little compassion into it. If there's no trust, why would you give somebody grace? Like why, you know what I mean? Why would you be like, oh, I'm going to give this person the benefit of the doubt. If you, especially if you don't trust them, if there's a lack of trust, no trust, maybe you might have the benefit of the doubt, but yeah. yeah. And then it avoids uh, resentment. Yeah. Because resentment resentment. is the worst. (laughs) And it's something that you can't really come back from. It's real tough. Takes a lot of work to come back, a lot of inner work to come back from resentment for sure. Yeah. And it's like not a good way to live, you know? It's not, it's not good for anybody. So and it's yeah. really the only person who's being hurt by resentment is the one who's resenting the other person. <laughs> yeah, totally. I want to swing it to people make the world beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll take it from resentment. <laughs> I don't know. It's my <laughs> podcast, right? <laughs> we got a little off the tracks there. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. None of those were questions I planned on asking Adria, by the way. So, you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's what I also, I'm just going to say this and I don't know if I ever say this on the podcast, but like, that's what I love about this. Like I send you guys some questions. I'm like, okay, like what kind of questions would I like to ask this person? But then we start talking and like, I don't really I'm not, I'm not a good question follower. So if you're really a type and you want to come on the podcast, just a heads up, (laughs) probably not going to follow the outline exactly, but that's okay. I think this, that was a great, that was a great detour. So let's talk about people make the world beautiful. So I always want to try to include this in the podcast. I think it's such a beautiful part of our culture. And I think um, talking about people make the world beautiful in this podcast is bringing it out to the world and just like these cool experiences. So it's defined as an experience that you've had in hospitality that's touched your heart, that in some way people have shown you the beauty of humanity or you have shown that to somebody else. Um, so yeah, I'm looking for a story from you today, something that, that has moved your heart in regards to people make the world beautiful. 
Um, one of the first things that popped in my mind was actually a story that my mom shared with me. If that's okay, it didn't happen, but the way it made me feel special. Um, so my mom moved back to New Brunswick a couple weeks ago and before she left, she had to, uh, go work in Fort Mac to help train whoever was taking over her position. So she was there for like three weeks by herself, staying in a hotel And she shared with me that she would go to like the, the hotel restaurant every morning and have breakfast. And the thought of my mom having to eat dinner or breakfast by herself makes me, (laughs) it hurts my heart. Just like when you see someone eating by themselves, it's just like, I just, you want to go over and have a conversation with them. Yeah. And, uh, I guess she had the same server basically every day. She was, you know, there as much as my mom was. And they would share, they would have conversations and my mom shared with her like what her situation was and what was happening. And the last day when my mom was like, like, cause the server knew that she was, that was her last day and she was leaving. And the, the one who was taking care of her ran out of the restaurant, followed her to her car and asked for a hug. Oh, that's so sweet. It's so inappropriate right now, but so appropriate <laughs> to us. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought the fact that she took the time to like have conversations with my mom and actually build that, like, I wouldn't hug anybody like who leaves the restaurant unless I felt a connection to them. Right. Like, but clearly they had a connection because of the way that that server was taking care of my mom and the way that they communicated and connected. And I just, when she told me that story, my heart felt so full because it was just so nice to hear that someone went out of their, their, their way to do something so kind as little as a hug (laughs) for, for my mom. And yeah, I just, it, it made me really happy. And as she was telling me the story, I was thinking, that is definitely an OJ's thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it is an OJ's thing to do. You know what I mean? Like I could picture any one of our staff members and they would, they would do that. That's yeah. what they would do. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. I love, you know, like in the early days in Terwilliger, we hugged everybody. <laughs> it was like, yeah, non-pandemic yeah people would throw up now but like literally like everybody that came through the door on a Friday night like if you are working the door and I would like hug half of the people who come through it was crazy and um I loved it I loved it so much like I got so much out of it and I know that those people got a lot out of it too right and it's like a simple act of saying that you care and I see you and you're here you know yeah exactly yeah hugs they're so simple but they can mean so much so much yeah do you have a, you have a cat you don't have a dog yes I have a cat <laughs> so I've had cats before too and cats hug pretty well too but dogs hug uh in the sweetest ways and I so one of my dogs passed away but I have my other one he's a hundred pounds he's a huge dog so it's not the same right the other one would like curl up on my lap and we'd like cuddle and you know, I'd kiss him and stuff, all that gross stuff anyway, but the big one, he doesn't like fit. Right. So what he does is he puts his head like on the corner of my leg and then he just like pushes his head down 
and just mm-hmm. keeps pushing. <laughs> and that's like his hug. And he's just like, keeps pushing up against you. And then you got to kind of like pet him and give him a kiss on his ears. But I mean, like all living things benefit from hugs and they're just such beautiful things to give people. So that was a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> it made me happy. <laughs> yeah. And it also like, cause you're kind of sitting there going, Oh mom, like that sucks. I hate that you're there. And, and then she like shares this like really nice story with you. You feel better about the time she spent there too. Right. Exactly. Like it, like I, I hate thinking of people spending their time alone. And that was one of the first things that came to mind, like spending three weeks by yourself in a hotel room, like in Fort Mac of all places. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But knowing that she had that, you know, that, that one person every day that she count on to just have a conversation. And like before she even walked in the door, she would have like her coffee and stuff ready on the table for her. (laughs) That's so cute. I love that so much. That's so cute. Oh, amazing. So as we start to wrap up the podcast and kind of wrap up our thoughts and our conversation, first of all, I want to say this was an awesome conversation. Totally went places I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I hope you were okay with that. Yeah, you get two people together who like to talk. It just, uh... <laughs> yes, we should do it more often, like not in a podcast too, but we will. <laughs> we're going to spend more time together soon here. But um, yeah, I'm just wondering as we wrap this up, what your kind of what kind of thoughts you'd like to leave with the listeners today what are the thoughts from adria um that you'd like to leave with people either on hospitality life leadership whatever resonates with you from from today um <laughs> sometimes it's a loaded question <laughs> it is a little bit. i think that if you just try to be the best person that you can be and are okay with making mistakes and just put yourself out there and try new things every things are just going to come to you you know what I mean like just put yourself out there and the doors will open That's true though, right? And so you, like, I'm going to take you right back to the start, but you were talking about being open. When we're open to the world and to possibility, like anything can happen. We tend to get caught up in that which we can't have or that which doesn't exist for us rather than exploring the possibility that exists in our life. And those are two very different perspectives. And I think you've actually done a beautiful job of of highlighting a lot of that today. So. I want to thank you. Thank you. (laughs) This was a great conversation. And uh, yeah, I'm really honored that you would be my guest. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Another week of discovering hospitality and one more amazing guest on to share their beautiful stories. Thank you so much to all of you, our listeners, for your continued support. The success of this podcast is totally because of all of you, and to that I owe my deepest gratitude. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend. And as always, don't forget to rate, leave a review, and subscribe to this podcast. I love hearing your feedback. And remember, the world is always made more beautiful by people like you. Don't ever forget it. 
Until next week, take care, everyone, and we'll see you then. Thank you.